0: sports interaction canada sports book.
1: welcome to game over montreal where this is much different than last season i feel like it was like 20 games last year to get the third win of the season and this year your montreal canadians are undefeated on home ice so far this was a wild one and frankly my first question is how did any team lose to these guys and you know who did Alright, we got a great show for you tonight. We got to- so many things to talk about. Usually I try to keep it to three segments and like, you know, outline it and all that. But tonight we're just gonna go a little bit wild because there's too many specific things to talk about to try to force it into three segments. So my I'm joined by Scott Matla from Locked On Canadians and Hab's Eyes on the Prize. We're gonna go a little bit wild on you tonight, but before we go there, we're gonna go a little bit wild on the bets. You wanna bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportbook football continues in the world series is around the corner and they have dropped the puck on the hockey season bet pregame live in play or on one of our many prop bets made for Canadians by Canadians sports interaction makes it easy to deposit play and cash out join now and see all sports betting has to offer head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn that's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn Ontario only 19 plus please play responsibly and if you have anyone or you yourself are uh, addicted to gambling there are resources available in the pod- in the podcast or youtube description for this show please check them out all right i'm going to welcome in my guest tonight scott matla first of all scott how you doing and second of all did you see the cole caulfield versus austin matthews prop bet for goals
0: this season because uh
1: might be some money that could be made <laughs>
0: Uh, I am not dumb enough to bet against Austin Matthews, but I am bold enough and arrogant enough to bet on Cole Caulfield. I don't think he'll do it, but I do think that losing to a potential Rocket Richard winner in Austin Matthews in a goals race is not a thing to be ashamed of if you're Cole Caulfield. Like, he's trending for, I believe, 51 goals this season, and that's without the power play, like you said before we had to go back and do this again, like... Yeah, he stays doing small goals boy stuff. And you you absolutely love to see it after just the nightmare he had last year.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. I I do feel a little bit bad, as you mentioned before, when you were muted, that he makes Dom Descharm trend every night on Twitter, because that's that's just rough for for poor Dom. But at the same time, probably screwed him out of a Calder trophy. So you get what you, you get there. Uh, there. There was uh, some jokes going on in the chat here that I'm just seeing now. As you were muted, they were making up what you were saying, and they were saying uh, that you were fanboying over the sends. so we should uh, address that slander right now. That was not happening. Obviously, (laughs) we were talking about Cole Caulfield. All right, uh, obviously, Cole scored tonight, pretty much expected. I feel like there's not much that we even need to talk about with him, though, because he does the same amazing things pretty much every game. Him and Suzuki are like sharks out there. They snatch those loose pucks they create mistakes on the forecheck let's talk about arbor jack because he's not going to the american hockey league this year scott i thought about it you know you know matheson's gonna come back edmondson probably come back at one point push him down the lineup but i there's gonna be other injuries i don't think he's gonna go to the american hockey league
0: I the only reason I can see them sending him down for any reason is just to make some temporary cap things work. He's gonna stay with the team, they're going to paper him down like they did to start this season. What he did tonight was uh to kind of pull back how I do the videos that I put out on Twitter here is Justin, who is in, I believe, New Brunswick, is ahead of me on the stream, and he just goes, Oh my. Oh no. And I think to myself, Jack, I bit off more than he can chew in this fight. And then the (laughs) gloves come off and I watched him assault a man on ice and then celebrate Zach Cassian's a tough dude and Arbor Jack. I threw him around like he was a child out there. And it, how does that not scare people at this point? He was a scary dude in the OHL and he made his name in the rookie tournament uh, in Buffalo here. And then he has come out and he just, he took on one of the toughest dudes in the league. You can think what you want about Zach Kassian and that's entirely fair. And he just, he beat him so hard and threw him around so hard that one of Cassian's fingers was like crooked afterwards. And the best part is he's got upside. He's not just tough dude anymore. He can skate, he can shoot, he can kill penalties if he's not in the box. I've become so much more impressed with him in the last six months than I thought I ever would be from when he signed his entry-level contract last year.
1: Yeah. It's uh, when I heard about him, I guess last year, late in the season, I was like, I don't think like just some fighter people get excited because he's a physical guy. Now seeing him game in and game out, there's a player there and that player is extraordinarily scary. Scott, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the TikTok that went around the Canadians posted with, the, with his
0: giant-ass hands. Oh, like. my
1: God. And I don't know why they had to make it sexual with that <laughs> sound that they were using, but... Uh, I mean, I know why. Because it sells. But uh, that man, don't mess with him. I think he just sent a message across the entire NHL. Because, as you mentioned, Cassian is not somebody to be trifled with, right? Like, he's not some small guy he is like there was a sabers media guy who was saying like zach cassian is basically a bear in human form and to see him get tossed around like that like that is message sending
0: and, and like here's the thing is to our sense fans and i know there are plenty of you who are wonderful good people who thought scott Sabron might be that guy maybe brady kachuk could be that guy are you really sure at this point that you want to open that door this dude worked at costco in the height of the pandemic for covid He's dealt with far scarier people than Brady Kachuk and Scott Sabarin. He, like, Zach Cassian, like you said, barren human form, ragdolled him. And the fact that he can do that while still being a, a positive presence, you know, going the other way with the puck and everything else is great. And including that is he's backing up Slavkovsky after that first goal tonight because he ran the dude who tried to hit Slavkovsky, which set up that goal. And they're both screaming obscenities at Josh Brown afterwards. This 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 game had so many moments that, like, if we were to talk about all of them, this would be like a three part episode for you guys.
1: Seriously, we'd be here until the middle of the night. Like, there's there's so much to go over, and like, Jacques, I man, he just keeps impressing me. Like, I thought he had a bit of an off game for him for what he's done so far against the Penguins, but I don't know if it was an off game for him so much as. Everybody else raised their game to a significant level, and he was just like still good. So that kind of stood out as him not being great. But tonight, I thought again like great. Love the play to set up the slaf goal because you love to see a guy stick up for his teammates. And let's let's transition right into slaf because can't not talk about that. But before we do, gotta tell everybody if you're here, there's tons of people here watching the show. Make sure you like the video; it helps it spread. Make sure you share this to all your socials because you know we gotta get. A lot of people in here. It's a hype day. They just scored a pile of goals. Amazing goals. This team's looking fun as hell this year. Caulfield's a wagon. Slavkovsky's getting it done now. Let's get this going. And uh, then we'll talk about Slavkovsky. So Slav, obviously, uh, this was you could see things starting to like come together for him the last two games or so. Especially in the Penguins game. He finally gets his first real good open chance in the slot without Mike Hoffman poke-checking him,
0: and he buries <laughs> it. Heavy, heavy shot. Like every every scouting report that they had talked about with this is that Uri Slavkovsky, big, heavy, physical guy, and... We've seen him do a lot of the things that led up to this goal without the finish to it. The long reach, poking the puck free to keep a play going, circling back and trying to improve his shooting at Lane. And then he just finally was able to get that full shot off. He's going to, he, he, it reminded me a little bit of Yola Armia, and I mean this as a compliment in that he's got that heavy shot that beats goalies because it's so powerful. But it's like trying to get a, you know, a heavy duty truck in gear. Once it's going, it's going, but you got to get it there. And my favorite part of this is he scores and he immediately, he celebrates, he grabs the crest, celebrates, the crest, and then turns around, looks and at screaming. Josh Brown. <laughs> he's He's got the rocket, the crazy eyes there. And he is screaming like a possessed man at him and then screams F off at him. And then out of nowhere, Arbor Jack Eye appears behind him to also scream F off at Josh Brown. And then <laughs> they skate off to the ice and he's on the bench smiling at gallagher's like you 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 got you got to wave at the crowd he just does like the weird like royal wave to everybody and then just goes back to doing what he does it's hard to not love what this kid can do and yeah far from a finished product but you see the steps and the building blocks for what this he's a giant child can do it's fantastic
1: there was another play i think it was either late in the second period or early in the third where he set up a great chance for trying to think of which line mate it was. Might it was Jake Evans in the third period there. Or it was just something out of nothing, right? And you talk there was uh, somebody was saying slaps a beast his reach is insane from Nicholas in the stream chat here. Absolutely. And that reach, the fact that he's able to stick handle with his stick so far from his body, I think is very impressive and he protects the puck pretty well. You can tell like when he catches up like his brain to his body fully. He's going to be a hard player to play against in the same way that Jack guy, when he's like 25, Oh my <laughs> God, man, this, he's still a kid. And he's, and he's one of the heaviest players
0: in the NFL and the, and the NFL, He'd be the big NFL. dude in the, NFL. in the NHL. He and Jack, I earned the top five for like weight in the NHL. And you realize one of them is 21. And one of them just turned 18 and yep. is still getting used to his giant adult body. Like, it, it, horrifying like watching he's built like a prick shithouse to be quite honest there's no other way to phrase it and he doesn't even fully use his body to the extent that he could and once he gets more comfortable doing that do you want to try and stop that i don't i don't think you want to at this point no no i mean the
1: It's one of those things where you know that this season isn't going to be all like this, right? Like we watched the Detroit game. It was, it was pretty brutal from a performance standpoint. And then the the Washington game, there's going to be games where they can't score, right? It happens to every team, the best of teams, but this team for sure will have trouble scoring at times, but you can see the foundations being laid. And I think that's why the fan base is so hyped up. Like you can tell, yes, people want Connor Bedard because why the hell would you not want Connor Bedard? But people aren't as focused on that right now. They're they're actually focused on, on a season where they know the team is not going to make the playoffs, on how much fun this team is to watch. And I'm not sure I've ever seen a team in this position where fans are engaged in that way. Because even I, I'm like the closest I can think of is the Ottawa Senators in the last couple of years. But in those years, the Senators thought they were like there already right like last year they expected to make the playoffs
0: the rebuild is over he said exactly. before being fired no he wasn't fired he's allowed to do his job now anyways like the rebuild is over
1: he got to fire someone else
0: yes the other Pierre. <laughs> one of the pierres got fired at some point it's fine it's fine <laughs> but it, it, that's a good point is that i look at this even when the games aren't going well like the detroit game was not good but then i saw them kind of come on later and i saw opportunities that it's like they're just not there yet which is Fine, the expectation isn't for them to be there yet. The game against the Leafs and I know that they just won in overtime, it whatever, fine. This is the Habs game over show. Uh <laughs> you see all the things. You see good counterattacking, you see intuitive, you know, breakouts and everything that we didn't see last year. Even when St. Louis got here, he had to, you know, work on uncoaching what had happened before and from previous regimes of coaches before that. And now they, they're not going to win every game. They haven't. They already can't do that, and they're not going to have games like this every night. But it's so fun to watch them at least, you know, even if they're losing, they're playing well in most circumstances. Yeah, they might get shelled a little bit, but the defense is four rookies, David Savard and Chris Weidman. You can't yeah. expect a lot out of that. The third most tenured guy on there is Jordan Harris, who I think has a dozen NHL games now. The expectations are where they need to be, and fans are happy and excited with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have something to look forward to. And one of the things that I've been keeping on pushing back on this year in these shows is like, yes, the defense core is not amazing. As great as Caden Gooley is, he's probably not a number one defenseman right this moment, right? David Savard is absolutely not a top-pairing defenseman. I think that Kovacevic and uh, Harris have been doing an admirable job as a second pair. But right now, is that a good second pair in the NHL? Probably not. But what this team has that last year's team did not is promise. Because Harris is going to improve through the year. And he looks great already. Kovacevic, probably the same thing. Gulli, probably the same thing. Jacki, right? Like, all these guys have promise. You're looking at the progression. You're looking at how exciting the plays that they make are. Is not watching... A bunch of older guys who all do the same thing. you know, like, no offense to the guys, but like it's not Sherrod Savard and Edmondson all playing the exact same way, and Petrie trying his best to climb out of it, but trying to clear the puck off of an opposing player's face and it going in the net.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing is, it's like, yeah, the, there's still an older part of the offensive core there. Like, yeah, Docs here, yes, Nick Suzuki is Nick Suzuki, and Cole Caulfield is great, and Slavkovsky is great. But I look at some of the, the veterans on there who are playing like they've not played in Montreal or elsewhere for a while. Sean Monaghan looks like an entirely new player. Now that his hips aren't imploded into dust and he can actually, you know, skate properly. Same with Brendan Gallagher, who looks like a revitalized player. And they might not be here to reap all the benefits of whenever this rebuild ends. But watching them not look like they're in pain trying to just make day-to-day plays and everything is so much better than watching everyone struggling on defense. Yeah, Kovacevitz is likely a 6-7 defenseman playing above that right now, but he's not playing badly. And I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see what he can become. I'm intrigued to see what Jordan Harris can become. Can Arbor Jack, I, you know, channel his intensity into more offensive production like he was able to do at the end of his OHL career there? And then beyond that, Matias Norlander looks really good for the Rocket right now. There's promise in all of this that before it was well we got to hope one of these guys pans out now yeah. it's you have options you don't have to hope for one guy you're hoping everyone makes it but it's not the end of the world if one of them just isn't hitting their ceiling where they used to
1: yeah there's more hits at the ball right you've got more at bats i guess in the prospects you have more guys who can make it so therefore missing a couple it's all right cuz other guys are going to fall are going <clears> to <throat> sorry not fall through the cracks but make it make it through uh, comment here from, uh, Kay, who's always, always a fantastic <laughs> supporter of the show. Both of our shows, Scott, I should mention locked on Canadians. Everyone should follow that podcast with you and, and Laura Saba, two of my best friends in this business and out of it. But, uh, she's saying that, uh, Ghoulie's numbers once again, look terrible. I'm guessing she means like the advanced numbers, they're going to look terrible. Uh, first of all playing way above his head, first line or first pairing minutes as a 20 year old, also playing with David Savard, who never has had good analytics, really. Like he's had good defensive numbers at times, but that's in isolation, right? The offense always dies on his stick, even though he can make these weird dangles every five or six games. (laughs) I I honestly think like I was talking to Ian Tullock and he was asking me about Suzuki and Caulfield because their on ice numbers are, are not great this year either. I feel like you just have to throw it out this year because that's not what they're focused on, right? And Suzuki that's a, and, Suzuki no, and Caulfield ahead, ahead. are playing, like, the top uh matchup minutes because everyone wants to shut down Caulfield and Suzuki. And there's really no support for them until this game. I believe it was, like, seven of the eight goals that the Canadians had scored were while those two were making the plays. <laughs> you know? So it's like... No one else was really giving them that offensive support. So they have a lot of offensive pressure to get things done and they're going to cheat defensively. That's just the way it goes. And the Canadians are going to get outplayed. So you're looking at guys who are playing against top lines who are playing in a way that they have to manufacture offense at the expense of defense. And the other thing is a lot of that impact comes in small sample sizes from one game that game against the Detroit Red Wings, the Canadians had like 20% <laughs> of the expected goals. So yeah, everybody's going to take a hit from that. Like I think, uh, Kovacevic was the highest on the Canadians in like uh Corsi before the game. And he's like 49%. Like everyone was below 50%, right? So like, don't worry too much about the underlying numbers in that respect this year. Look at what's, happening under the surface of that right like who's getting shots who's getting scoring chances look at the progression of certain players this team is not going to be good by the underlying numbers
0: no and I, I look at their expected goals percentage at five on five tonight and Gouli and Savard finished just above you know water there at you know 52 percent which isn't great but it's not negative negative. and at the bottom Caulfield Monahan Jack Eye, and Suzuki but a lot of like you said is I'm not worried about their defensive metrics so much this year because so much of what we saw under Michelle Terry and, and Claude Julian and the like is we want you to play defense first. And it kind of robs some of these gifted players of their ability to be creative in this offense. It and You know, some guys thrive the next they could play two ways, Max Pacioretty and Thomas Blakanets, for instance, but not everyone is those guys. And Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield should be your offensive creators because you have guys behind them who can take some more defensive minutes? Christian Dvorak, I think, is that guy for them. It is not just the Nick Suzuki show this year doing everything. And I'm willing to, like you said, I don't care what their underlying metrics look like this year. I hope Nick Suzuki scores a boatload of points and Ca- Caulfield gets a boatload of goals because that's what they're here for. They're yeah. going to be that offensive unit here because that's where their talents are. Yes, Nick Suzuki can be a very good defensive you know, center. We've seen it before from him. But he doesn't need to do that if you've got Dvorak and you've got Evans trying to eat up some of those defensive zone minutes to free up your doc and your Suzuki for chances here. And I, yeah, it doesn't look great. Ah, they're so low on the expected goals chart. Yeah. But how many actual goals have they scored? Yeah. The goals are low, but who cares? The puck's still getting in the net when they're on the ice.
1: I also, there's something going on early this season with like the high danger Corsi or high danger, uh, chances because, the first period they had the Coyotes with three high danger chances. Didn't I don't get know a if shot they had until like 12 had, minutes into the period. Like yeah, they had on. three shots and like granted the couple shots. I like the first shot they got was pretty good. It was like a weird floater that landed right in front of Jake Allen that I think Keller like just smashed into his pads. But the thing with small samples and these kinds of numbers is that they're not that reliable, right? outside of uh, until you get to like 20, 30 games, you really want to look at shot attempts more than the like really fine, fine numbers. Cause like, again, at the end of this game at even strength, the uh, like natural stat trick has the high danger chances at six, six. Yeah. Okay. The Canadians stopped playing after it was three, nothing. Like they were just looking <laughs> for breakaways. Like they knew that they could play around with this team and still win. There was no chance on earth. The Phoenix, or the, the Phoenix, the Arizona Coyotes were going to come back in this game. They knew that because every time they skated up the ice, they had free ways into their zone. Like, if the Canadians wanted to keep their foot on the gas pedal in this game, it might have ended like nine or 10 nothing.
0: I'm looking at the expected goals at like five on five, and it was 1.75 to 1.45, and in all situations, 3.18 to 2.13. And it's like, this didn't feel like that game was this close. Yeah, the Coyotes played strong in the third period when the Habs took their foot off the gas after it was five, nothing after Nick Suzuki sent Connor Ingram into an early retirement. <laughs> I, and I don't know how they track these things. I am not that smart of a person. This game never felt that close. Even when it got to five, two, it's like the Habs could just, you know, go again and they're going to just score another goal again because it's not Connor Ingram's night. And it's damn sure the Habs offense is night. Like I, I, I get the metrics. Don't always look good every single night. They're not going to, like we've said, I'm just not worrying about that because this is a season that's meant to be a building block. I you know, I'm rooting for them to win games and if they don't, okay, well, let's find what positive things happen because last year it was, well, Brendan Gallagher's, you know ass didn't explode in this game and you know Jake Allen didn't you know face 55 shots. and then it became well, Michael Pizzetta hit a dude once, and that was about it until the end until St Louis took over. It's just a completely different vibe that even if they lose, I don't care because there's positives from watching Martin St. Louis coach this team across the board right now. Like it's, it's just fun to watch hockey. Even if it's not meaningful overall, it's really just fun to sit down and watch it.
1: Well, and the fact is it's meaningful for the future, right? Because we're seeing the things that they're accomplishing for the future, every game. And like we're, we're going over this game. And there's things like Brendan Gallagher scored a goal in a way that I'm not sure we've seen him score in two years. You know, he's skating way better than he has over the last couple of years. He looks healthy. He absolutely ripped that one, and he usually doesn't have a great shot. And it almost gets lost in how much fun the rest of the game was. You know, there's so much to talk about. Like, the ovation for Slav when he scored his first goal.
0: Like, there's something special about Montreal. We didn't even talk about it. Like Jonathan Drouin in this game could have had multiple goals. Yeah. And he played, I thought he played arguably really well. And that I know he and Mike Hoffman are really maligned in this city for various reasons. I think Drouin, between setting up Caulfield's overtime, forcing goal against the Penguins and how he played tonight looks so much better. Yes, he's got his deficiencies. We know what they are. And I think Martin St. Louis knows what they are. He's not trying to force the square peg into a round hole. He just tells, you know, play to your strengths. And and Ann is doing that. He's not always going to be the superstar, but he's, a, he's an incredible complimentary piece to this team. And something about that line with Doc and Anderson or whoever else is on there at a given time, it just works. Kirby Doc has been so damn good as a Montreal Canadian. Underlying metrics and finally getting on the stat sheet, it's really not hard to see why Kent Hughes was so happy to trade Alexander Romanov and a top 15 pick for him at the draft because look at him he plays so well he's like he and Slavkovsky are figuring things out kind of at the same pace a little bit with that big frame using the reach and body to make things happen and it's really exciting to see that work getting rewarded now yeah 100%
1: I feel you know who Doc reminds me of a little bit sorry is uh, Lars Eller just his puck control and The fact that, like, it looks like a play is gonna
0: die, and then he just reaches in, gets the ball back, and he can kind of turn it around. It's he, it, I'm that, that's a great comparison. I didn't even think about that because I'm trying to remember all the times we've watched Lars Eller over the years. Just keep things alive. Yolarmia does it from time to time, too. And I know that we don't want Kirby Doc to be Yolarmia, we want him to be above that. But just he keeps it going because he's got that reach and he just kind of hangs out on the boards and then he kicks the puck and then he just gets it back to himself once he's been freed from whoever's holding him there. And I think that's a big part of the game because, yeah, a lot of the Canadians offense right now is predicated on counterattacking because they have that kind of team speed and the ability to do that. But if they can slowly develop in a cycle game, I think they're going to be a really difficult team to play against. They have size that has skill and not, not just being big for the sake of being big. And that's the worst kind of person to play against is you're not going to knock them over and you're just not going to get the puck back if they don't want to give it to you.
1: Yeah. It it was truly fun to watch. Like that line was fantastic tonight, especially inside the offensive zone. And I feel like I didn't get a chance last show to give Duran the credit that he deserved. I think he's been great since he got back into the lineup. I don't know what the deal was with him being held out in the first place. I don't know if it was a numbers game or <clears throat> if he's got a minor injury or if it's just the fact that he didn't earn a spot in the lineup in their view in training camp, but I I've been impressed. He he doesn't look like what a lot of media here on the Francophone side were trying to push, which was a guy who's done with hockey and doesn't want to play anymore. He looks to me like he wants to play.
0: I think he's always wanted to play. And it's been really I, I know it's been tough for him because obviously he had that um, time where he stepped away for his own mental health and then he came back last year and he looked good and then he got hurt and that frustration creeps in when nothing can go right. We've all been there like things just do not go your way and you get so down on yourself watching him come out and play well this year. I, he's not going to be a franchise savior like he was originally sold to fans by the Bergevin regime here, but he still has value to this franchise. And yeah, it's the last year of his contract. And admittedly, you know, it's going to suck trading away something that was traded for so much. But if he's playing well and that and the trade deadline approaches, you can't tell me there isn't a team that's going to look at that and go, we can add – a middle six playmaking winger who can operate on the power play and set up goals and play with skill. And it's going to cost us, you know, some prospects, but we want to win a Stanley cup. Every team is going to do that. Like people talked about Evgeny Dodonov and Sean Monahan and rightfully so. But if Jonathan Drouin can continue to play the way that he is capable of, and like we're seeing right now with intensity, with purpose and direction and what he's doing with his playmaking teams are going to pay for that. Every yeah. single time, whether it's worth it or not, not for me to decide, but teams will pay for that. Especially if they think we are this piece away from getting to the Stanley cup, the Colorado with Arturi Lekkonen, we are this piece away.
1: Well, speaking of Colorado, you know, if Gabe Landeskog doesn't come back healthy at some point this season, maybe they want to reunite Duran with McKinnon.
0: I, I was thinking about that. My first thought is I'm like, how sad can I be watching Arturi Lekinnon go to Colorado and winning a Stanley cup as a major player And then sending Jonathan Drouin and watching him reunite with Nathan McKinnon and also going on to win a Stanley cup. It. And then of course everyone's going to go, well, why couldn't you do that here? It's like, well, one, the Habs don't have Nathan McKinnon for one thing. Or or Miko Rant. Or Kale McCarr. Or, you know, well, Devin Tays, et cetera. They don't have that depth, but like, I would be happy with that. If they got another high second round pick and another top prospect out of that, I don't know who it would be. That could be any team but it makes too much sense almost that Colorado would love this kind of guy because it feels like Jared Bednar and the analytics staff that Colorado has would know what to do with Jonathan Drouin at this point. Not that the Habs don't, but even more so out there.
1: Yeah, Sam Frieder in the comments section. Tell me if it's not Frieder, by the way, Sam. uh, Says that he's late to the party, but he likes the Eller comparison, but Doc reminds him, sorry, more of Tage Thompson two years ago before he broke out. Now, if that were to happen for Doc, I feel like we would look on that trade very kindly.
0: <laughs> That's the thing. I, so uh, for those who don't know, when I was at Eyes on the Prize working with Andrew and then uh, Mark Dumont and where I'm at now, I've covered the AHL for a long time. And I, when I watched Tage Thompson play in the AHL for the Sabres, the dude looked like he was just lost out there. He did not have the goal scoring aggression that he seems to have found in Buffalo last year and so far into this year. And that goes into maybe the numbers don't look good, but if Kirby doc becomes a 30 plus goal scorer for the Canadians, after kind of figuring it out with a change of scenery and a little bit of seasoning, um, the Habs are laughing because that's exactly what the Chicago Blackhawks could probably use for the next five to 10 years as they build, uh, burn down their entire franchise for some reason. Yeah. I mean, that's all some overdue. reason. Yes. Yeah, uh,
1: it would be the the wrong reason because they should have done that like last year when things came out or, you know, <laughs> 2010 when stuff went down or, you know, any of the last hundred years when uh, they wore that racist logo. But anyway,
0: no, Jonathan Taze <laughs> is going to rebound, bro. bro Joe just, bro, just Trust me. Jonathan Tays is going to rebound. Just, Dominic Kubalik, man, trust me, we got no. <laughs> Isn't you're paying Kubelik... Seth Jones nine and a half million dollars until the heat death of the universe? It's not your year, my dudes. Like they lost Kubalik. Yeah, I know, but he was he was that guy for a hot minute, and they're like, ah, well, we got Taze and Kane and Seth Jones though, so that's still good, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, I no. will say at the very least, they're not playing in a college arena. <laughs> like you talk about how bad I don't I don't remember if it was when you were muted or if it was after, but like how bad the Coyotes were, just awful to watch. Like they they are not a real team. So, I, I've been saying this since last year when I found out about that arena deal and how blatant their tank is. And this has nothing to do with the Montreal Canadiens or any other team. I feel like they should be removed from the lottery because it's garbage. Like if I was an NHL player and I know you don't actually have any recourse, but if I was a member of the NHLPA and I saw that they were moving to that like 4000 seat arena and how much money they're going to be losing in concessions, advertising, you know, private boxes. And I just watched as like, you're already paying back the NHL in escrow d- for during COVID. And now you have this team that already was losing $30 million a year for the last 25 years is going to move to a joke of an arena like that and lose even more. I would be losing my shit.
0: My here, I'm of two binds here. One, I love college hockey. So like the intimate, like, uh, feeling of the arena is all one thing or another. Like, it it is quite frankly a joke. It it seats 5,000 people, most of whom are gonna be at the drunkest university in the United States. So like, but I wanna know what team goes in there and loses first. Because you know, and here's the thing is Toronto, Toronto plays them (laughs) in the next couple weeks. If Toronto loses to the Coyotes twice in October, once in front of 5,000 fans in a college arena, I don't care if Sheldon Keefe has coached an immaculate game and they got scored on because, you know, it hit, you know, Ilya Samsonov in the dick and went in the goal. I don't care. You have, you just, you walk home after that. You're fired. You do not work here anymore. I think it's going to be amazing because it's close quarters and it's going to sound better. But at the same time, you are a professional franchise. There are teams playing in the National League in England and Wales for soccer who will have more fans at their game than you do, and they play on what is basically a parking lot. That's not great. And I want the I want hockey in southern markets to succeed. I am not one of those purists. I want it to thrive in weird places. I want this to work. But at what point do you go, come on? Really? Yeah. Come on.
1: There's there's a comment in the chat saying Steve was saying on the recent uh, SDP that the Leafs pay for the coyotes to exist they do but here's the thing they got Austin Matthews out of it so cry
0: yes <laughs> like... Leafs,
1: you know like <laughs> you're doing okay with the whole tooth the Arizona thing like come on it's okay
0: it, like I don't want to be mean to coyotes fans because they have suffered a lot through the scandals of previous owners. fans. Right. It, it's never been about the fans. Y'all deserve so much more than what you were getting in terms of this. It's like, I hope it works out. It's just, I look at this team year after year. It's like, they made that cup uh, that run to the Western conference finals in 2012. And since then, it's just been like Shane, do appreciation night where everyone gets elbowed in the head and like nothing else. What have they given you to be excited about since then? Yeah. There are good players here and there, but they haven't given you a reason to be so like indebted to them, like it's life or death. And I really think they deserve better across the board than a college arena. And then the deal did get approved for like the Tempe arena, right? Or do we I not know yet? Conf-
1: I don't think it's done yet.
0: I could be wrong. Cause I don't like sit
1: around and read Arizona news, but uh, last I heard it was not done yet, which when you sign, when they signed the deal for the college arena, not having the Tempe deal done, that's wild to me. That's wild to me that they made that risk. But let's let's cut off the, the Coyotes talk because who cares? No offense, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I do want, before, we, before we close out tonight, we got to talk about Nick Suzuki getting a penalty shot and changing into Shang Tsung and eating Connor Ingram's soul. Because I swear to God, if he would have turned around after that and gave him the old Carter Hart head pat, he would have like puffed into smoke and there'd just be like a couple rupees left, like a Zelda bad guy.
0: <laughs> it, so I got yelled at by Red Wings fans on Twitter who were very mad that I said he went full Pavel Datsuk on this penalty shot, which I implore you to say. I am not saying he is Pavel Datsuk. I'm just saying he copied one of the most famous shootout goals of all time to a T and did that. And yeah, it was a 4 0 game at that point. Yes, it's the Arizona Coyotes. Who cares that shit ruled so hard. And then the best part of all of it is it cuts to the press box. Mike Matheson is laughing. Yolar Mia is going, wow. Michael Pezzetta is laughing. The other scratches are laughing. And then Rem Pitlick is just sitting there. And he's like, did, did Nick throw out his recyclables today? You know, <laughs> just kind of deep in thought, no cells, this incredible penalty shot, like it's nothing. And that's all anyone can focus on. Cause it's so perfect. Nick Suzuki for all the worrying about him being the youngest captain in team history. Can he handle the pressure? Blah, blah, blah. He's got what six points in five games now, including that goal. I think superior propane Nick Suzuki is going to be fine. And the worry about him was overblown. Yeah.
1: He, he doesn't seem to feel the pressure. I think when you could see his playoff performance, like the first two years, right? Like he doesn't care about pressure. Like he he's just, it makes him better. Honestly, it's a totally different situation than say like Max Pacioretty where he overthinks stuff, right? Where he's reading every media article and getting mad that somebody said something about him. No offense to Max Pacioretty, who was a player that I absolutely loved as a Montreal Canadian, but definitely not the right temperament I think to be captain where Suzuki, I think everything just rolls off his shoulders. He, he's not he's an intense guy, but he doesn't feed it that way, right?
0: But he just that unplugs. Goal. He unplugs. He goes home and hangs out with his cat and plays Call of Duty and just doesn't give a crap because he's that next generation of players. Yeah, I, I'm on the internet. People talk shit all the time. Cool. Here's my cat. He's long. His name is Milo. He's great. Like, who is cares? It Milo or Milo? I don't know. We should tweet him and ask and how we pronounce <laughs> his cat's name. Someone I who assumed isn't Milo. Us. But maybe
1: if it's Quebec, you know, it could be Milo.
0: But I... Uh... I, I... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: I also said it was Datsuki and and a bunch of Oilers fans came out and were like, actually,
0: why like Oilers Lin- fan? It, why? Why? It's Oilers Linus fat? Omark?
1: Linus Omark, Right. Do you remember him? Yeah. He remember, did. The remember, some yeah, remember some guys?
0: Yeah. Remember some Linus Omar. Yes, I do. Is he the one who lit his stick on fire on the KHL for a penalty during the all-star yes. game too?
1: Yes. And he did do the same thing as Datsuki, but I think he only did it once. But
0: his was phenomenal because he went bar down. I I look at it this way is that if you ask everyone who to who Nick Suzuki's penalty shot reminds you of, most people are gonna pick Pavel Datsu because that goal against the Predators has been replayed so many times that it is ingrained in the back of my I'm not even a Red Wings fan. And I can just like pick that out of my brain, like at a will and be like, yeah, he went this and he made Pecorino like stupid and he went boop and just scored a goal. Like I, Oilers fans being mad about that is the funniest thing to me though, because they have like other things they could possibly be mad about. Like why this?
1: Yeah. The chat is in agreement that it's
0: Milo apparently. Oh, well, good to know. I don't know how to pronounce things. You will learn very quickly. <laughs> if Andrew asked me to pronounce uh, cities in Quebec, I will do very badly at that. So oh,
1: don't worry. I'm not going to be much better than you at that. Uh, I remember <laughs> very clearly my first trip to uh, a city just south of Montreal on the South shore called long gay, but to my very anglo brain i pronounced it how it was spelled which is long
0: and I thought it was my wife gee, burst out laughing to be honest so like it's all right i've covered the rocket for six seven years now six or seven years i still cannot pronounce laval correctly depending on who i ask at any point in time so what are you gonna do and that's not even a hard one so yeah
1: all right uh anything else from this game stand out to you scott because I feel like there's so many things or anything that we I... wanted to circle back on because it was just a fantastic game. It was everything that you could have wanted from eating somebody's soul on the breakaway or or on a penalty shot, I guess, to destroying them entirely like Arbor's <laughs> Jack Eye with uh, Zach Cassian.
0: Well, I think we got, we got Jack Eye murdered a dude. Nick Suzuki murdered a dude. Uh, Josh Brown had a real bad night and got told to F off by two different rookies in this game. Um, Cole Caulfield, good. Nick Suzuki, yeah, I think we got everything covered in a game that had quite frankly, everything except a goalie goal, which was the one thing I was really hoping for at this point was that's the only thing I wanted at the end was Jake Allen just to fire that puck down the other end of the ice. Honestly,
1: I feel like I'd almost be mad. there was a goalie goal in Montreal and it wasn't Carey Price because he tried so many times for so many years and just never quite got it
0: yeah like I also feel like Jake Allen would like go set up for it and then see someone on the boards and just pass them the puck anyways because he's like that kind of guy because he just wants to go home because he and his wife probably have not slept very much in the past couple days so
1: (laughs) that's true yeah congrats to the Allens on uh, their newborn baby Uh, I guess we should say he Allen was fantastic tonight, you know, sat cold for over half a period and then faced some pretty good shots, especially in the third. Once again, he has not had an outing this season that he hasn't been
0: phenomenal. And and I, I know there were a lot of people wondering, you know, why extend him this and that Jake Allen is the perfect guy to be the one a right now or one a and a half, whatever you want to call it, because Samuel (laughs) Montembeau is not a regular one B to transition into whenever Caden Primo makes that step. If he does to Jakob Dobish to Frederick D show, whoever else might come in. Jake Allen is that perfect guy. Cause he can slide right back into being that one B and not miss a beat. It, it's we've given Mark Bergerman a lot of flack for a lot of things. Uh, getting Jake Allen is probably one of the smartest things he's ever done for this team. And it pays dividends even after he is gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, his last couple of years, he did have some good moves. He had some horrible moves. <laughs> Like the Mike, Mike Hoffman contract, or the UL Armia contract. But uh, he had some bangers as well. Alright, Scott, uh, thanks so much for joining me here tonight, and thanks everybody for coming and watching. This is a hype game, and I apologize for having Scott's audio muted at the beginning. The fact is, that I've been <laughs> doing so many meetings, troubleshooting everybody else's stuff on Zoom for this expansion, that uh, I've had to change the speaker system a few times, and <laughs> I forgot it, so... My apologies, won't happen again, I hope. Uh, game over, it always has tech issues, so. <laughs> Eventually we'll get there, one day. The hosts that are, are doing great now. It's just a, a hard <laughs> thing to get used to. Alright, uh, Scott, before we close out, tell everybody where they can find your stuff.
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scott Matla. You can find my writing work at Habs. Oz on the prize at Habs EOTP on Twitter. You can follow my podcast with Laura uh, Sabat at the active stick at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. Uh, she graciously allowed me to come on and record with Andrew while she uh, hosted an episode on her own. So please check that out. I'm sure they are having a delightful time over there as well. So uh, you can find me usually uh, shit posting on Twitter. Do not take it personally. I'm just a bad person. So.
1: There you go. Alright, and as always, please like this video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe on our podcast feeds on Spotify, Apple Music, all that garbage. And uh tell all your friends that are Habs fans about the show because the more the merrier. We love interacting with you guys in the stream chat. We love hearing your feedback. And uh if you're a fan of another team, well, especially Canadian teams, we've got game over shows for you. Winnipeg launching soon, and tonight there are six streams across the SDPN network. And hey, before you know it, we might be crossing the border. Who knows? No concrete plans yet, but uh, we'll find you. Eventually, we'll get all 32. I swear, we're going to get all 32 and the NHL is going to expand. Don't do that. (laughs) But uh, we'll see you again on Saturday evening. Thanks, everybody. See you then.